Welcome to the hope. Look at your neighbor and say, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. <laughs> you know, with all the stuff we face out there today, how many agree that it's just nice coming home and just settling in a little bit, worshiping the Lord and spending time with friends and family, watching my wife hold my little grandson back there, little Corbin. What is he, seven, eight weeks? Whatever he is. And when, when uh, Tammy and the, the team were doing that little crescendo uh, kind of in the spirit thing, and he was just... <sighs> and I, I told the, my son Troy, I said, your mom's going to make him a worshiper. <laughs> I mean, God, I think, makes him the worshiper, but she's leading the way. It was cool. Well, we want to... We want to thank you for last week. What a blessing. Uh, as your pastors, we were honored beyond measure. And thank you for everybody, for your gifts, for your encouragement. Uh, it was great hearing from Dr. Dave. And, uh, you know, he, <laughs> before he left, he goes, you know, I hope you bring me back next year. That's just how he is. But I said, Dave, we're going to invite you back next year. So anyway... <clears throat> Uh, it was good to have him. And then our friends, Scott and Ruth, how many enjoyed their ministry? Amen. And if you came Wednesday night, you got a treat. You got to hear a little bit more from them about what they do in Indonesia. And it was just awesome. Uh, as I learned about their mission, wow. I mean, you can't be timid if you're a missionary, you can't be selfish. Because you have to give it all up. They leave their family behind. They leave the comforts of the USA behind to do what God has called them to do. And I hope you're praying for them. I hope you're, you're remembering what they do and that you're praying for the people that they're ministering to. Because God answers prayer. And I know they thoroughly appreciate it. So thank you again for... Uh, everything that you did with us, my wife Barb and I were just thrilled. So today I want to present a different message. Literally. It's called different. <laughs> Perspective change, uh, changes everything. How many understand that already? You know, you can kind of see the pieces there. Look around this room. Just the front row, just right here. I had to pick on you already. <laughs> Nola's going, leave me alone. I should have gone over here. <laughs> We're all different. We all hold particular views of life. Depending on how you were raised, how many siblings you had, how many had more than a couple? How many only had one or, or zero? Are you, were you spoiled? Would you say what you were sp No. No, okay, no? You, are you saying that sincerely or? No, he was No, he wasn't, all right. Oh, he was. Well, which one am I supposed to believe? No. <laughs> no, he was spoiled. <laughs> How many came from a wealthy home? Don't raise your hand. Or not wealthy, maybe just in between. You know, a lot of us were probably 
fitting in there somewhere. Churched or unchurched. Country of origin. Maybe that was different. Maybe your tribe was different. You know what I mean by that? We're all from some kind of tribe. You know, I've, I've got so much stuff in me. I'm a mutt. <laughs> I am. I mean, there's no, no getting around it. I'm French. I'm German. I'm, uh, I found out uh, what's the, the, the big Indian tribe. Cherokee. I've got some of that in me. I don't know how much. I want to do a test, but not enough, though, to, you know. <laughs> At least I don't think. It's on both sides. I didn't know that. Both my parents had Indian in them. Um, it's crazy where we come from. That determines how we think of this life, who, who we look at as maybe close, not close, how we see things. We're all different. I found this out last weekend, and I'm going to pick on them just for a minute. And I don't know which one it was, but one of the missionaries, and they stayed with us for four days this last week, one of the missionaries came into my home and they did the unthinkable. They had to replace the teepee roll. They put it on the wrong way. And I mean, I follow them after they left and I'm looking for it. Trent, and and I, finally I figured out what they did. I had to reverse that thing. How many know the proper way? How many think it's under? All right, just to correct those of you who are wrong. This is the original patent. I want you to know it's over, okay? Just saying. When we look at things... Because of our difference, we see things differently. Look at this. Can you see that? It's a man, it's a dog. Which one is it? It's a dog. It's a dog running at you, but it takes you a minute. And when I first looked at it, I thought it was a man. And, and then I read the caption and it said, is it a man or a dog? It's like, oh. It could be a man with a dog backpack. I don't know. They have those. And this one really blew me away. And, and I, had to, I had to stop for a minute. Maybe you've seen it. The UFO. How cool is that? See, they do exist. Right? Until you really get the perspective, the proper perspective... It's really a car upside down or right side up in a pond, but when you flip the thing, it looks like a UFO. Perspective is everything. How you look at things changes because of that. I remember back in uh, 2002, and that was a long time ago, right? 2002, 20 years ago, Pastor Barb and I came up here from the big city and we got busy and we started doing things here at breakneck speeds because that's how we did things in the big city everything was fast 
You did things fast. You ate fast. You talked fast. Everything was done quickly. Otherwise, you were kind of seen as a slouch. I know. Just saying. I'd get behind some of those people that came from the north. And I'm like, dude, are you going to work or are you retired? Everybody drove like they were retired already. Maybe they were just tired. I don't know. But it drove me nuts. And finally, somebody came up to us one day and they said, you guys are wearing us out. And this is only a few months after we, we showed up here. And both my wife and I are like, huh. And we had to really rethink how we were doing ministry because I didn't want to wear people out. I wanted them to get on board with us, to join us. And if, if they thought we were going to run over them, then they probably wouldn't help. So we started to change a little bit how we did ministry. We slowed down. Today, <laughs> I look for those guys from downstate that are speeding. And they run up on my tailpipe. And I know they're speeding because I'm doing the speed limit. And they catch me quick, and then I just sit back. <laughs> I know, that's not very Christ-like, but hey, that's my concession, all right? I slowed down. <laughs> but our perspectives change over time. We change. How many are a little more mellow today than you were when you were younger? How many would say that about your parents? You're like, do you remember your parents when they were like, just, I mean, everything ticked them off. You couldn't do anything without them yelling at you. And now your parents, they're older, and they're like, oh, son, how are you? And you're like, who are you? What did you do with my dad? We all mellow. I've been told that, by the way, by my son, <laughs> son's. Perspective. Here's the definition. It's a particular attitude toward a way of regarding something. It's your point of view. Everybody say, point of view. How do we look at things? Or as the definition said, our point of view. That suggests that we are all different. And as I look around this room, I see that. That's pretty obvious. It should surprise us, right? Who created us? Think about all the animals he made. The aardvark. The mosquito. The giraffe. One thing that we've enjoyed all summer, and of course they've taken off now, but the hummingbird. Amazing little critters. And they're all different. And we're all different. Why? Because God doesn't do anything just by a little. Everything He does is amazing and beautiful and wondrous. No two snowflakes are alike. When I think about those guys that go out and they literally film snowflakes to prove God wrong, I have to laugh. Okay, what are you at? 
20 million and you still haven't found one? It's like, I think I'd give up there. <laughs> nope, I'm going to prove God made two of them alike. That wasn't in my notes, sorry. You never see the same sky the same. I have seen amazing sunsets, sunrises lately. People have taken photos of, of some of the things that they've seen. And I just, I'm in wonder of how cool he is. You know, he does that for us. Anybody that's bored, that's your fault. Because God is not a boring God. And the problem as I see it, it's, it's these differences which I feel like we should embrace. It's these differences that are causing problems in the church. They divide us. Sadly, instead of seeing a person's contributions, what do we do? We focus on how different we are. When that person... And this is just a question. I'm trying to pose this as just to get your minds thinking about this. When that person comes into the church with that goth look, you know, you know what I mean? Maybe dark clothes and whatever. And, th and they walk into our church. Do we shun that person? Or do we try to get to know them for what they bring to the table? You, you understand what I mean by that? Where's, where does... Everything happens as far as socially. It happens at the table. And when people come in here looking a little different from us, you know what would be a cool thing? And, and don't embarrass them. Don't walk up and go, why do you look like that? That's not right. But just go up and, and just get to know them. Hey, my name is Norm. And see if, if, if you can find some common ground with that person. Chances are good you will. If we are the come-as-you-are church, hello, June, if you want to wear your pajamas to church, as long as they're decent, or you're decent wearing them, you just go right ahead. You can even, you can even wear bunny slippers. Is that okay? I mean, do we really care? I'm just glad you're here. And Nola's thinking I'm moving next week. My whole point, though, is that we need to practice what we preach, and that is accepting people who are different from us, looking at them not as some weird anomaly, but as a person created by God Amen. who is different because God created them that way. Let's embrace the differences. Even Jesus had to deal with differences. I, I, I'm not sharing a lot of Scripture today, but when I saw this, it, it just hit me. It struck me. And this found in John 1, if you want to turn there, if you have your, your sword with you. This is talking about Nathaniel. And here, how many have seen the Chosen uh, videos? All right. So I think it's in the first season that we actually see Nathaniel. 
And he says this remark, and, and I'm not going to share it with you yet. I'm going to read it from here, but it was kind of cool. I, I'm, I'm loving that uh, Chosen. We might even do a Bible study with that. I've heard it, it goes really well. But if you haven't seen it, you should watch it because it's amazing. And I love the character that plays Jesus. That was an aside. Nathaniel here is recorded as saying something that's derogatory about Jesus' origin. Let's pick up in verse 43, John 1. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael. And he told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from where? Nazareth. Nazareth. <laughs> Here's the fun part. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. Nathanael was from Cana. Here's the funny part. Cana was also looked down upon. All right? But the Nazarenes were seen as the lowest of the low. So I think Nathaniel was, he was, he was kind of, whew, there's somebody finally that's lower than me. Now Jesus, and this is kind of cool, because we know God's no respecter of persons, but where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Bethlehem is a good place. Everybody saw Bethlehem as, ooh, you're from Bethlehem? But Jesus didn't bring that point up. He kept it to himself. He could have said, hey, wait a minute, man. I'm from Bethlehem. You all remember me telling the story of Jaime, the guy that led me to the Lord, and how he would tell me he was from Spain. And his wife told me, no, you're not. <laughs> you're from Mexico. <laughs> Whatever. And I'm not picking on the Mexicans. I'm just saying that's what she told me. That was a fact. But it's funny how people will do that. Not Jesus. What does that show us about the Master? He has godly character. Amen? He didn't try to defend himself when he heard this from Nathaniel. Jesus though born in Bethlehem, could have mentioned that he was from Bethlehem, but chose to keep that to himself. Obviously, later on, Nathaniel would figure this out. Acts 24.5, it actually talks about how the Nazarenes were a sect that was looked down upon. And note that Philip didn't respond here. Philip could have defended Jesus, right? I mean, after all, he's beginning to follow this guy. But even Philip kept it to himself. He didn't blow Nathaniel up. How many times do we hear somebody say something derogatory about Christ and our first impulse is, you don't think God can handle it? Just keep your mouth quiet. Let God defend himself. You know what you need to do? You and I need to do the very same thing that Philip did with Nathaniel. Come and see for yourself. When people deny God, 
when they deny Christ, when they say things that probably aren't appropriate toward Him, just tell them, come and see for yourself. You don't know the Jesus that I know. That's apparent just from what you're saying about Him. Give Him a try. How easy is that? As the pillar commentary said of this scene, Nazareth might be all that Nathaniel thought, but there is an exception to prove every rule. And what an exception these young men had found. Jesus is the exception. You know that, right? And yet, though we were different from Him as the Son of God, God's only Son, He still treated us like His own. Philip didn't try to win Nathaniel over with his superior knowledge of Scripture as we often try to do. Nor did he dispute what Nathaniel said, even though the obvious answer was right in front of Nathaniel. Yes, something good can come out of a Nazarene. And that is Jesus. Hallelujah, the Savior of the world. Thank you, Lord. Come and see for yourself. This is our response. When people are a little different, or they see us as different, don't blow them up. Just give them this invitation. Come and see for yourself. Unlike, not unlike Jesus, we're going to meet people who have a negative bias toward us. Maybe you've already met that person. And it's not necessarily because of you, but it's because of the Nazarene that you associate with, Jesus. And people are going to call you things. They're going to treat you differently because you scare them. You know, Jesus scared the religious people of His day. They didn't know what to think of Him because He was different in a good way. You see, different isn't bad necessarily. And I'm going to get to that a little bit later as far as the other side of the coin. But right now what I want you to understand and try to get this in your spirit is we cannot take these assaults personally. And yet, that's often what I see the church doing. We get all uppity about people calling us names. Lowering the name of Jesus. And I said it already. God's big enough to defend Himself. What you need to do is pray for these people. When they come at you like that, when they attack your Jesus, don't take it personal. Don't blow them up. Just Invite them to come and see for themselves. Just like they treated Jesus with guile, they will treat us with the same. At least until they see who Jesus really is. Is this making sense to anybody besides me? And that brings me to the tricky part. In the church, we have to decide this. Are we going to let our differences separate us? 
Or are we going to let our differences draw us together? What a novel idea, that last part. Everybody say, hmm. <laughs> and then scratch your head, hmm. Think about this, though, just for a minute. Are we going to let those differences divide us? Or are we going to let them draw us together? Just throwing this out. What if when we had our Bible study, we had people in here who were confused about Christianity? And they really wanted to discuss this kind of stuff. Would we welcome them? We should. Would we say, what are you doing here? Don't you know this is a church? Yeah. Jesus spent his ministry life telling others about the right way. And that's what we need to do. We need to focus on the truth. We need to introduce them to the Jesus we know and focus on the truth. And that's what the Lord did, and he was obviously very successful with it. Notice what I'm not saying here. I'm not saying that these people are wicked, evil sinners. You know, I skipped over a part of this. Sorry, i got to go back. We want to hear the rest of the story. Jesus didn't blast Nathanael for speaking poorly of his origin. Let's read what he did. Here we go. As they approached Jesus, as they approached, Jesus said, Now, here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. He asked, how do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Boy, I am messing this one up. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. So what we see here is just another place where Jesus responds, but did he, he didn't blow Nathanael up. I use that word a lot, but in other words, he could have said, really? You think that because I'm a Nazarene that, that I, nothing good comes from Nazareth? Come on, man. But he didn't. He didn't even bring it up. Instead, he complimented the man. Here stands a genuine son of Israel. And he wasn't referring to his heritage of Israel. He was referring to his character. Because Nathaniel said what he needed to say. He wasn't two-faced about how he felt, as so many of the Pharisees and Sadducees were of that day. And Jesus was commending him for that. And then he gets into the, the little bit about him being under the fig tree. What's that all about? Well, you know, if somebody sees things and they weren't there, you kind of got to begin to wonder, who is this guy? Jesus was showing him his Godhead. He was showing him that he wasn't like everybody else. He wasn't the typical Nazarene. And what did Philip say in response? Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. So all of a sudden, the light goes off in his head. He recognizes who he's standing in front of. And he gives him the credit where the credit was due. Jesus said, going on, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. 
you will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. And, and of course, here he's talking in future tense terms. Just before he ascends into heaven, this is what happens. Angels actually join him and they ascend to heaven. We're also going to see him returning, right? And hopefully we're all going to be with him because the way I interpret Scripture, that's what it says. And when he comes back to set up his kingdom, we're going to be with the angels. And that's going to be a, an amazing day. But I digress. How did Jesus treat people? How did he treat Nathaniel? Respect with love. Calling out the good things. Not seeing the differences. Right? We need to treat others like Jesus treated others. Pretty simple. This is a very simple message, right? Even though we're different, Jesus was way different than any of us, he still treated us like his own, like a brother, like a sister. We need to do the same in the church, in our homes, in the public places. As I see it, what brings us together outside of our humanity, the glue that holds us together is how we see God. Our view of God, our perspective of God. Do you know that the atheists meet together similar to the ch like we do in the church? Only in their paradigm, they talk about how there is no God. Their perspective, of course. And they also do good works. Not just the church. Atheists are doing good works in these little communities that they've joined together with. To me, that's a little odd. But for them, hey, we'll show those Christians. You don't have to believe in God to do good things. Right? Everybody say this. Hmm. Notice what I'm not saying here. That these people are wicked, they're sinners, they're godless people who should go to hell. Are they different than us? They hold to another perspective. A different belief system. Perhaps due to their upbringing, their culture, their, their education, whatever. Now hear this. Say it with me. They still need Jesus. Say it again. They still need Jesus. Amen? What about those people who practice different lifestyles? I'm going somewhere with this, so hang, hang with me. And when we think of lifestyles, we often think of those who practice sexuality outside of one man and one woman. But what about those who drink heavily? You know any of those? Those who cuss and swear. I mean, I get around some of these people, and I'm better. Somehow I've got a little filter that I can turn on. But still, it bothers me. 
Especially when they use the Lord's name in vain. That, that one just... But I keep my mouth shut most of the time. Or those who hold... Uh-oh. Or those who hold to a different or opposite political view than ours. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. You're, you're stepping on some toes here. Or what about those who have different religious views? Yes, they're different. But they still need Jesus. I want you to watch this video. And then I'm going to come back. Loving people and less time being angry with them. Would that make a difference? What if we gave unconditionally of our time, our talent, our treasures? Would that make a difference? What if we shared the difference Jesus has made in our lives and stopped pushing away those who aren't there yet? Would that make a difference? What if we walked in the steps of our Savior, sitting with the broken, caring for the poor, loving the lost, would that make a difference? We live in the midst of ruins, surrounded by brokenness, pain, and loss. It's a moment made for us, a calling we were created to answer, not with judgment, not with harsh words or self-righteousness, but with love love of Jesus? What if the church acted like the church? Would that make a difference? When I saw this, I thought, wow, <laughs> couldn't have put it better. Even though we're different, we can still make a difference. How do we manage the differences? These are just some simple, obvious, general things that I've put down. If a person dresses different than us, can we overcome that? If a person comes from a different culture than us, can we overcome that? If a person believes in something or someone different than us, can we overcome that? Yes. I know you hesitated there, and I know where you're going with it. 
And this last one, if a person teaches something different than Jesus in the church, can we overcome that? No. That's the one area. And there, this is where we have to be aware of the differences that matter. Is the difference in another person harmful? Whether it be to our witness or to the church, to our family, and that's something you have to decide prayerfully. But if we go back to where I started with this, if a person looks different, then that can be overcome. If, if they come from a different culture, certainly that can be... Guess what? Heaven is going to be full of people from every culture on this planet. And wouldn't it be a blessing to God, and, and I've been in churches where this is true, where you walk in and you see every nation, or nearly every nation, sitting in the body. And they're all worshiping God. They're all listening to the preacher Sunday morning or whenever they meet. They're all together, even though they're different. They don't see those differences as much as they see how God has made them different. And they are like each other in many ways. But differences are cool. Differences are to be celebrated, not looked down upon. Not to be shunned. But if a person is teaching something other than Jesus, that's a problem. All right, and I just brought this out real quick. In, uh, let me turn over there. One common heresy in the church, in the early church, was something that was known as Gnosticism, spelled with a G. In Gnosticism, they were taught that Jesus wasn't in a human body. I'm going to use the word phantasm. He was an illusion. Because they felt like God could not bring harm to himself. And Jesus had to suffer. So there's no way he could have been in that physical body. But what does Scripture tell us? He was 100% man. He was not some figment of their imagination. And I'm only sharing this because this was, this was a, a, a heresy they had to deal with in the early church. We, we read about it often. In fact, uh, I wanted to go there. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 Do not stifle the Holy Spirit, Paul said. Do not scoff at prophecies, but what? Yes. Test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. This was his response to the heresies that were present in the church back then. Let's look at this again. Test everything that is said. Test against what? The Bible. God's Word. If it's not in the Bible, is it worth repeating? And get... Alright, don't hold me literally to that. If you tell... Well, the Bible does tell you to love your neighbor as yourself. It tells you to love your wife. But if you say, I love you to your wife, even though that's not in the Bible... That's <laughs> still a good thing to do. Just understand it's, it's the concept, all right? It's the, it's the, 
I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> you want it to line up with the Word of God. Does that hopefully ring a bell for anybody else? All right. Hold on to what is good. We know when something's good for us, right? How many of you like candy? Okay, let me go to an adult. How many of you like ice cream? So if you only ate ice cream and candy, what would you look like? I don't even want to get, try to get that picture. And somebody would say, well, that's what you look like now. But hey, I eat other things. I like ice cream, but it's not my every night go-to. Maybe every other. But we know enough in our hearts or minds, we know enough that I can't eat ice cream every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If I do, it's most likely going to kill me, right? And it's the same with the things that are good. We know what's good for us. Nobody has to get their Bible out and tell you that when you have an affair with somebody that it's wrong. You know in your heart Nobody has to tell you when you steal something from wherever you're employed, it could be something as small. You know what the number one thing is that it used to be? Maybe not anymore because we don't use them. The number one thing that people stole from their employer was what? A pen, pen or a pencil. How silly. Who can't afford that? You're going to get fired because you stole a dumb little pencil? Come on. You know it's wrong. And your little, your little knower's going off when you... <laughs> beep, beep, beep. You know it. And the apostle is saying, hold on to what is good. You know the difference. Pastor Roger loves repeating this one. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. That's how you hold on to the good. And then he says this. Stay away from evil. But let me tell you something. The devil, he has studied you, whether you are long-term Christian or just born again, or maybe you're not even there yet. He knows how to push your buttons. He knows what to put in front of you that's going to cause you to stumble. And he'll put it there over and over and over until you finally get tripped up. Temptations abound. The devil is real. He is so jealous of the fact that we have a relationship with God the Father that he will do anything to keep us from enjoying the same. He can't have it, therefore he doesn't want you and I to have it. And I think it's also an attempt to hurt God because he doesn't want any more going to heaven 
He doesn't want any more going to heaven. He wants them joining him in his paradise known as hell. I saw this not long ago somewhere. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. I don't know who said that. The difference is Jesus. Would you stand? Our message is Jesus. How many have been changed by the blood of Jesus? You're different than you were. How many know people that are different, meaning that they don't have Jesus yet? Have you said to them, come, see for yourself? Have you given them that invitation? And it doesn't necessarily have to be to church. It can be. But it can just be to getting to know you. Jesus with skin on. Let them see that even though you're different, it's a good different. Right? How many were changed by the blood of the Lamb and you believe you are better different? Come on, raise both hands. Give God the glory. You couldn't do it on your own. Let me say that again. You couldn't do that on your own. So those people that you know who aren't different, meaning Jesus has gotten a hold of their heart yet, yet, who's going to lead them to the Master? Who's going to say, come and see? I skipped over this earlier. What if God intended for his people to intermix their faith with those who are not like us yet? You know, that's what Scott and Ruth do in Indonesia. Everyone is different from them. They embrace people's differences and that opens doors for evangelism. What if God's kingdom plan was to see us share our perspectives after our new life in Christ with those who have not yet heard? Or who have heard, but because of hurt or past events or upbringing, they may not have been able to see God like we see Him. Loving God, Prince of Peace, Savior of the world, the Alpha, the Omega, the Wonderful Counselor, they can't see Him for that because they still have blinders on. Somebody's got to say, come and see, and help them get those blinders off. Can I hear a good amen? amen. So our mission then is to help them come into the light where they can see Jesus. Would you bow your heads and your hearts this morning? Father, we again are humbled to be in this place. We recognize our differences. We embrace them. I am thankful that 
Everybody here isn't like me. We're different. That just adds an air of beauty to this room because we're different. Lord, help us with this. Help us not to judge others just because they might look different, talk different, come from a different place. Maybe they're even worshiping in a different religion, but Lord, you still want us to get a hold of them. Again, using Scott and Ruth's example, they're there to help those people to meet Jesus. And Lord, today I pray for this church that we would be the light that you've called us to be. That we would look at others and, and use those differences as maybe uh, uh, conversation starters. Ask them a question in a nice way. Hey, I admire your whatever it is. That's kind of cool. Never seen that before. And, and let them respond. And Lord, just help us to take down the walls that the devil has helped us to put up over the years as the church. Help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to look at them not as different weirdos, sinners, all of that, but rather to look at them as people who need Jesus. That's my prayer, Lord, for this man, for my family, for this church. And I pray you'd help us to achieve that. Hallelujah. If there's anybody here today and you haven't said yes to Jesus, but you recognize in your heart that you need Him, you want to be different. Maybe you've got a Christian in your life or several who've been good examples and, and you want to follow their lead. And you know you need Jesus, but you've been running from God. You have hurt in your past. Maybe there was something that happened to you when you were young that shouldn't have happened. And you saw it as God hurting them, hurting you. I want you to know that the Lord loves you. Jesus went to the cross for you. He felt your pain. He suffered what you're suffering when He was hung on that cross. He knows. Give Him a chance. Come and see. I would invite you to say yes to Jesus today. and I'd like to pray a little prayer with you. If you're here today and you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, but you'd like to make that commitment, would you raise your hand real quick? Yes. Others? Yes. See those hands. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. Hallelujah. We want to pray as a church. And I want you to know this, that if you're praying this for the first time, God is going to meet you right where you're at. He wants you to have His best. He wants to bless you with a new life that is so different from the old life. How many in this room know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. The old Norman? <laughs> Woo! You better be thankful he's not standing up here. But what God did in my life, how he changed me, and it's been over the years, you know, 
A lot of it was instant, but a lot of it has been over the years. It's just daily living for Him, loving Him, and letting Him do what only He can do in your life. And by saying yes to Jesus today, you're saying, Lord, I want you to start working in me. Change me today. I give my life to you, and and I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. And as you do this, you will see change. might not be instant, but it's coming. It might be instant. It, It varies from person to person. But as a family, I want you to pray this with me. And those of you who raised your hands, say this loud enough so that if you, I believe Jesus is here, so that Jesus can hear you. You ready for this? Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice. For loving me me. in my sin sin. enough Enough. to die for me, to To go to the cross, to to suffer unbearable punishment punishment. for me. me. And in that death, death. and after being buried in the ground three days, He came out of the grave. grave. Death couldn't hold him. him. Today, Today, I have life life because of Jesus. Jesus. Today, Today, I confess my sins sins to Jesus. Jesus. Lord, forgive me. me. Make me a new person. person. I pray in your holy name. Help me to fight against the devil's schemes. Help me to get into the Bible and to understand your words, Lord. I love you and I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. I see something and I'm I'm trying to, I'm waiting to get the rest of it. Hallelujah. I'm stuck at a refrigerator. I don't, and it's a young girl. She's at the refrigerator. And there's something happening there. This is apparently in your past life. Hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All I can get is that somehow that refrigerator has something to do with a hurt. And the Lord just wants you to know that He's bringing healing to your life. I don't know what that refrigerator has to do with it. Maybe it's a memory. But He's showing me how you are going to receive a healing. 
You've been praying for it. You've been asking him for it. Hmm. Just lift your hands and receive it. If that's you, lift your hands. Let's receive from God right now. Let's, let's just let him do what only he can do here. We are a Pentecostal church, meaning that we believe the Holy Spirit still moves today just as He did during the times of the early church. He still speaks to us today. He speaks through us. He speaks to us. And He is still healing His people. Lord, we again thank You for everything You're doing here. And as we go out of here, help us to see those who are different and look at them not as, oh, that's an oddball, but rather, how can I minister to that person? How can I invite them to come and see? Come and see Jesus, the Master who saved me, who's made me different. Lord, we love you, and, and, and we trust that when we go out of here today, Lord, you're going to be with us. The world needs hope. And may we, the people of the hope, take it with us. We love you and we commit this people, Lord, into your hands. To God be all the glory and all the praise. Amen.